seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to Cap Chat, the number one soccer recruitment podcast in the United States. This is Cap Chat. Welcome to Cap Chat, everyone. That's the fun of being live. The music keeps playing. Tyler, are you with me? I feel like I'm in an elevator. (laughs) (laughs) Except you just didn't pass gas. That's right. But that was dancing. I was grooving to our our nice house music there. You you like that? We're getting getting better. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sure. We'll just just say I like that. (laughs) How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. How was uh, how was your Florida trip? Tell the listeners. Uh, you know, it was good. It was uh, it, it was it was fantastic. I was I was there for seven days. My flight got delayed, uh, so that was. You know, people were like, "Oh, yeah, I don't feel sorry for you in Florida." But when, <laughs> but when you're ready to be home, you're ready to be home, and it it was. Uh, so it kind of led to a long week, but no, we rushed it. Fantastic. We dominated the showcase and about six hundred teams on there. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was good, man. Come home to. Well, you know what it's like here. Yeah, it, it was like a ten degrees today, so it was like a tropical wave. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's a heat wave. I put sunscreen on. It, it is, it is crazy. Like you kind of see how people from the north come down here when we're all complaining when it's twenty five. They're like wearing shorts, and I felt like that. Like I went outside today, you know, and, and literally, it's like not a big wind chill, so it's like eight to ten degrees. So I'm like, you know, it's not too bad. I actually said that it's not too bad. This week, this week's topic is is the money um, and how much money. How do we make the most money for uh, for college soccer? So um, that's what we got going on and now. So yeah, so pretty excited about that. And that's what we're talking about is, is how do we make the most money for college? And Jay Murray from Solution Solutions for Tuition. Let me try this again. Solutions for Tuition. Uh, mm-hmm. is, is who we're going to be chatting with here in a couple of minutes about kind of tuition and, and about that. So yeah, but as, as always, the most popular moment, we, we, we will start. <laughs> you didn't say anything weird at the end this time? Sheesh, I was huh? waiting for something weird to be said at the end. You know, I, I blanked out on the sound. I played, and, and so, yeah, I, I, uh, it was playing. My sound was gone, yeah. so that was, that was, that was cool no. to be alive. So, yeah, you're sitting all, there waiting for me, it. and I'm waiting for we, you. I'm, yeah. I'm going to do this again. We're, we're going to hit with Tyler's Twins. Pizza roll. There we go, Tyler Shrews. Now it's officially introduced. You can play the drum roll all you want. Josh has to say something strange at the end of it for the segment to actually commence. And so this is a so Josh and I kind of started to go down this road uh, last week uh, in the recruitment process. That uh, a lot of recruitment is starting to shift into the social media world. Um, and so with that comes some direct messages uh, via whatever platform you're using, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, to contact a school or a coach. So this is, a, this is what I'm going to call a separation awareness, Josh. I've, I, I, that's not a real communication term. It should be. I can write a book on it probably. Anyway, separation awareness. So what I mean by that is when you are in your direct messages um, and you're communicating with a coach, or you're communicating with a, a team's uh, profile, for example, it's usually run by a, a typically an assistant coach or a grad assistant. Um, you, you have to get out of your um, Twitter 
text language. Okay. And what I mean by that is if you're going to say your, you can't put you are, right? Uh, it is easier. It is easier. You can't put CYA at the end of your message to, to a coach, right? Uh, so what I'm, what I'm seeing is, Josh, a little bit of a trend is because we're on Twitter and because, um, you know, we're already in that mind, that Twitter mindset, we're starting to abbreviate things and talk to coaches or team profiles like uh, they're our BFF. So we want to stay away from that as much as possible. Uh, we want to keep our language professional and mature as a recruit and make sure that we're delivering and communicating our message to the best of our ability to make sure everything we're saying is clear and accurate about ourselves. So that's a, that's a trend that I, I've seen lately. I've talked to a couple of coaches and they're seeing a little bit. It hasn't trickled over into email. I feel like when we're in the email and we're in the, our Gmails or our Hotmails or Yahoos or whatever, our brain is switched on to that more professional format. But for some reason, when we get into the direct messaging, we start to switch over and, and lose it a little bit. Interesting. And I wonder if it's because when you're in your email program, like I can't spell at all. And, and Oh, yeah, and, and you're right. As, Maybe it's, it's fixing it for us. Yeah, because as a kid, my dad would say, I'd be like, hey, dad, how do you spell conversation? He's like, well, look in the dictionary. <laughs> I don't even know what the second letter of conversation is. What am I just going <laughs> to flip through the C's for an hour until it comes up? <laughs> yeah. So I, I was what I was addressing was you, one of the first things you have to understand, Josh, is the differences uh, between the colleges and the divisions that you're searching. So you'd be hard pressed to to understand that the a lot of kids I talk to don't know the differences uh, between a lot of the divisions and the rules. Uh, and then that's important, I think, when you're looking at scholarships, obviously. But what's also important is to realize that many colleges, scholarship-wise, can compete uh, with any colleges in any division, right? There's a lot of different ways that you can be packaged as a student uh, and definitely as a student athlete uh, to be able to figure out the best route for you uh, when it comes to that. So uh, at the top levels, um, a lot of teams are going to be organized with a certain amount of scholarships. Uh, but then there would be availabilities for uh, possible walk-ons and academic scholarships. Um, some institutions have uh, what's called uh, a discount rate. And so that would be another option. And basically um, what that means is uh, they, they kind of have an unlimited fund of scholarships, but they can only give so much money to balance out at a certain, a certain average when it comes to the entire roster. So it's not just where they run out of scholarships, but they do have to balance out. If they give someone, if their average is $5 and they give someone $6, they have to give another player $4 to come back to their average of $5, right? Yeah. Now, are, you, are you seeing that more in, in, in like, is that an NAIA? Uh, or are, you, are we seeing that at the NCAA level as well? Yeah, so I would say the most predominant way that your place that you're going to see discount rates, it did begin at the NAIA. But I'll tell you what, Josh, um, I already know some pretty big, powerful conferences in the D2 world that have shifted their models to a discount rate model now. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think one of the reasons that, and I'll just say this, okay, so the, the Division II level, there's a, there's a lot of schools, a lot of the schools are similar size to the NAIA schools, right? Mm -hmm. And so the two divisions that both give out athletic scholarships, what I think um, schools are seeing as a benefit of the 
discount rate model is that it's more tuition driven as far as it could get you a few more students and players. Um, and because institutions are tuition driven and a lot of institutions right now across America need players, this could help motivate coaches to go get more players and therefore more seats in the, in the school and, and help the school thrive a little bit. So that's a reason that I would guess I, I'm, I'm living it. I'm not like researching it. But to me, that would be a reason why that trend has started to creep in now to the Division Two level. Okay, and I think you guys are setting the trend a lot for NAI. I don't think you guys get enough credit um, for for doing a lot of good things, um, you know, for for that. So I think that's. But that's but not thing. yeah, and not every school in the NAIA has that model. You know, I would say for my my conference, for for instance, it's probably about half and half. Okay. You know, half the teams have your basic scholarship models. You have so many scholarships, and then they run out. And the other half is working on a discount rate. So it depends on what conference you're in and, and the competitiveness of that conference sometimes too. Interesting. Okay. And then, but you can also have them I mean, each school inside. We're just taking AI, but each school is going to have more money to spend in theory. Cause you guys don't have what you call, we don't have, you know, we think of like a salary cap, but mm-hmm. so NAI doesn't say you can only spend a hundred thousand scholarships, but so Culver may have more money than a Missouri Baptist or, or another NAI school. Is that, is that true? Um, I, it depends. Well, the way you would look at it is we, in the NAI, they do have rules of how much scholarship money can be played on the field. It would be uh, very similar to a D1, D2. Uh, that's like 12 full ride equivalencies. So it, it, it is the same when it comes to actually playing kids on the field. So yeah, there, there would be, in that sense of putting people on the field, a salary cap, so to speak. Interesting. Okay. And then did you get a chance to talk about, because I know I, I, I blipped offline, and we talked about uh-huh. how the scholarships um, for each division, how many are offered. Yeah, it's, and that's, that's different at every level. Yeah. Um, and that's different at every level. So, um, and, and gender, different with gen, different genders yeah. too, right? So that's a great question to wherever you're exploring, right? If you're exploring D2, D1, NAI, D3, junior college, that would be a good question to ask, you know, at your institution, you know, how many scholars, and, and then, once again, that's different. It's not every school maxes out, Correct. right? Some school might say, well, our school only gives uh, seven full scholarships. And we have, to, as a coaching staff, have to figure out how to manage that with our roster that we're supposed to have of 24 players. Right. But, but the school down the street might get, you know, 12 full rides. Right. So, so we, if we kind of look at those numbers, I'll throw some some maybe boring numbers out there, but, um, you know, Division One. So let's just look at the men right now. I'll write off some stats for you. If you guys are out there taking notes, grab a pen and paper because we're going to go to class. Um, but it, men for Division One offer 9.9. I'll dive into what that means in a second. But men offer 9.9. Division Two men offer nine full scholarships. NAIA is, like Tyler said, is 12. And then JUCO is up to 24 now. Women for Division One is 14. Division Two is 9.9. NAIA 12. And then NJCA, which is JUCO, is 24. Division three does not offer athletic scholarships. Now, what that means is we'll take an even round number because that's what I'm good at in math. So men for division two, you get nine scholarships that they can hand out. If there's 18 players on a team that you, you want to give money to, and let's say the school is $10,000, which is cheap, but um, I can give 18 students, five, 18 students, $5,000 or nine players, the full $10,000. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And what Tyler had mentioned earlier is just because we're able to give nine full scholarships. So do the math there. You're, tw- you're you know, nine times 10, uh, $90,000. doesn't mean my school has $90,000 to give. <laughs> it just means they have, they can. So in each program, it's called, it's funded. Now, yep. what do your scholarships look like and, and, and how much money are they, are they able to give out? But that's all they can do. And, and so this whole conception of I'm going to get a full ride for soccer, I think it is, it's very confusing because there's just literally not enough full rides out there. So there's 9.9 for women and there's nine for men. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the topic that we're diving into is, is so the question is, is how else can you make money? Uh, so Tyler, I'm going to ask you, and then we're going to bring on solutions, Jay with solutions for tuition, but Tyler, for you at Culver Soxon, what are other ways that players can, can make money and get money to go to Culver? Yeah, and in, in, in I'll speak globally <clears throat> first and foremost, uh, and I would say the number one way that you could help yourself um, with scholarship money is through your academics. <clears throat> you know, I can't stress that enough. Um, you know, especially if we looked at like one division in particularly, you know, the division three level, you know, that's you're going to get a lot of, of decent looks with, with good, really good academics. Uh, but the academics at all schools and all levels will help you. Uh, depending on what that scholarship model is like, that's going to be your number one helper, Josh. If I had to say, what, how can I help myself? Get good grades, get good scores, you know, look, really study for your SATs, really study for your ACTs, whatever your state provides. Um, and, th- and that would be a really good <clears throat> outlet. And then don't be afraid to <clears throat> search the grants route, right? Understand what state you live in uh, and what grants are provided and how they're provided. Right. And, and understand the difference. You know, a grant is, is given a loan you have to give back. Right. So making sure you know the difference of, of what you're getting, which a lot of us uh, just as families, parents are going through right, with the government. Am I getting a, a loan here from the government or am I getting a grant from the government to help me? Right. Understand that that's the same approach you'll have to use when you're talking about money for college as well. So um, those two, two first big things, right? Can you get a grant help? Um, what does your state provide? Um, can you, what are your academics like? Um, some schools provide work study. Uh, some schools provide um, campus jobs. So it's not necessarily work study, but it's, you can apply for a campus job. That's good. That could help. You yeah. know? So there, there are a lot of a little tools, I think, that you could really start to um, – Look at then, then there's things like, hey, does your class offer my major online? Right. Can I maybe save a few bucks and get ahead of my um, my plan for graduation a semester early and save some money on the back end? Right. Little little secrets like that that could help. Yeah, th- th- those are those are those are great little tips and all those are good. I'm going to keep going here. And one of the things you brought up, Tyler, is the ACT, SAT and, and how I think I think you're correct. I think that's the easiest way to get money. And, and many times it is it is so straightforward. It is you get a 25 ACT, you get this much money. Correct. Now, the confusion has been that, you know, NCAA, and I don't know if NAIA may as well, but NCAA waived the requirement to be eligible for, for, for the uh, standardized test. It, it, NAIA mm-hmm. did the same thing, Tyler? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So NAIA, NCAA waived the requirements. You don't, you don't have to take that to be eligible to play. What that means, though, that's good for some people. But schools are still giving you money. Like I have yet to come into a school that says, <laughs> right. yeah, you don't have to take the ACT. 
But if you do and you get a good score, I'll give you money for it because that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the same at, at Culver, Tyler? Someone gets a high ACT or SAT score, they can still get extra money for it? Yeah, so that that's that's still going to be pretty commonplace anywhere. Um, you know, and, and what also has taken place too, a lot of schools have, you know, like their elite level scholarships, you know, and, and at most institutions, like there's a competition for it. Um, it, where there's like an elite, uh, most of them is like a full tuition scholarship, right? Okay. And so if you're one of those kids that has like a 4.0 and then you throw into it, Josh, usually like a 27 or 28, 29 ACT uh, and the SAT equivalent, right, you're able to compete for, for that higher scholarship. And even now, a lot of those colleges, like you said, maybe waiving um, – <laughs> the ACT score is to say, well, I mean, now you, if you just have the 4.0 or you just have the 3.85 or whatever it is, you can still compete for our, our highest possible scholarship because that's kind of the trend that's happening right now because of all the shutting down of the ACT and the SAT. So um, and, and it'll be, I'll tell you what will be interesting to, to watch happen. There's so many schools right now that have waived it as part of uh, the process of acceptance into their college. Okay, so you not only do you not have to have it to be eligible, whatever. Most colleges are are waiving it right now, um, as far as you know what you need requirement wise to get into their college. I'd, I'm I'm interested to see Josh how long this trend lasts. Yeah. Right. Um, and will schools just say, do we really need the ACT SAT? We're still, you know, kind of having that same a standard of student that's still coming in, regardless of it, do we need it? Is it going to help tuition? Are numbers in the schools going to go up, right? So right now you're living in a time where you don't have to take the test and you can still get to a good school, get a good scholarship, maybe help yourself out with, but you got to grind in the classroom. You know, you can't just bank it all on just one test and, and then slack a little bit in the classroom. So you have to have that classroom portion really rocking. I think that's a valid point because I mean, there's always a lot of, of, of kickback, I think, sometimes on standardized testing because there are people who are really good in the classroom but awful test takers or vice versa. Like they, they slack off and they slack off in, 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 in the classroom and then they end up getting a 32 ACT or, or you know, a 1,400 SAT. <laughs> so I, I think and the standardized test gives kids a lot of anxiety. I mean, I remember taking it, and there's yeah. a lot riding on it. Because if you don't get a good score, correct, it's one of the first things that, you know they ask: what's your GPA? And what was your test score? And and that's mm-hmm. and your GPA you can you can dictate throughout the years. You know, you can I think you you can increase your GPA by by pure work ethic. There's some people that no matter how much you study, those standardized tests just freaks them out. And so there, there's something to be said about. How much emphasis are, we're putting on standardized tests? Um, so, you know, I mean, can I give you a, can I give a tip here too? Yeah, of course, man. I mean, I, I, I'd like to. I'd like you may to have to wait something... till next weekend for for Tyler Tripp, but this could be Tyler's tips. <laughs> yeah, this is just a tip. So I'll tell you one one thing that I've and and just so our listeners understand, you know, I, I've I've been a college coach uh, for eleven years now. Okay. Um, and that's a long time. And, and something that I've seen that I don't think is addressed enough is the uh, approach and focus to the freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because let me tell you this. If a student slacks their freshman year and the GPA is, is really low, Josh, there's one view. They're like, oh, you know, well, we can, we got three years to work that back. 
but you're, you don't, you're starting in a hole. Right. And anytime that you get a poor grade after the freshman year, that hole has already been dug and the GPA has already suffered. So I, I really hope like club coaches out there and, and are really stressing to like those seventh and eighth graders, like when that GPA starts to count for you, when you hit your freshman year of high school, you want to, you want to dominate that and get that 4.0 going as high as you can go as early as you can go. Cause it's way easier when you started high to keep it high rather than dig yourself a hole and try to dig out of it. And that, as we just talked about, one of their big tips was, Hey, how can academics help me? Yeah. Well, that's where it all begins. I think that part's really important to understand for uh, future college soccer players out there. Don't let the freshman year be the year that, 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 really hurts you down the line to that could lose you some money ultimately if we look about it if we think about it that way yeah and i think you look at simple math too you think okay how many semesters are in a high school career and t- most of the time it's eight right that's it so you, that's you, it. you're not dividing it by all the number of years you're dividing it by eight so yeah. if your first semester like you said is 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 in the toilet and you're starting it now it's harder to climb out of it so it's just laws of average um yeah yeah, one semester when you only have when you divide them by eight, you're not dividing by by all the number of days you go to class by. Well, that would be great, but you, you divide them by eight. So first two semesters are you're you're so spot on, man, and, and it is tough to. And you see, and you know, I don't think they grasp again. And I go back to the scholarship and the number of scholarships. I don't think we really grasp how much money can be made academic wise. Uh, and right. I think I think the majority of 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 athletes are going to get most of their money from from academics or some sort um being in a club or anything like that but i think the majority of money is going to come academically and that's so important well it could also help the balance for that coach mm-hmm. right and so if, if i'm getting a ton of academic money and i can still put together a good package for you and use just a little bit less of my soccer money because you're right. receiving so much academic money that allows us to go get another good player. Next thing you know, you're part of a better team because of that that approach. So right. that's a Absolutely. good. That's one way you can look at it. When, when you're recruiting though on the side, I mean, what's one of the first things you're asking? I mean, you're looking. I mean, you're looking at GPA, right? Yeah, yeah. In a lot of showcases, you know, and you guys know this because you put them on. Like they're in the book. <laughs> you know, you see the kid's name and, and, and you're, you look at the GPA. I think that's something I was taught the first time I ever went recruiting with someone. Yeah. Cause I think, I think much a GPA is something that is something that you can control. You can control that standardized test gets tough. Mm-hmm. If you go to class and you put the work into it, you're, you're going to get decent grades. I mean, I, I don't mean to simplify it, but that's right. I mean, it, it is, it is that simple. So, um, and so that's going to lead, um, we're, we're, we're going to bring in, you know, how I love to introduce people with cool theme music, but Jay Murray is from solutions, uh, for tuition here. Jay, how are you doing? Are you, are you there? Appreciate you having me on this evening. Yeah, and, and we do have a quick question here. Is, is what's the lowest GPA student um, can still be chosen by a soccer team? Uh, Tyler, you want to field that one? Because I know it's, it's, it's different for each, each yep, yep. division. Well, t- yeah, you may know that one too for each division. Yeah, it's, it's different. And it's, and it's also d- different for each school. 
right? So before you can even get to the level of, hey, is my GPA good enough for me to play the sport? Can I get into the college? You can't play a sport if you're not enrolled in the college first, right? Now, some colleges before you can even play do have process where if your GPA is a certain level, um, that they'll still allow a committee to make a decision based on some other credentials that you might have to submit. But uh, yeah, so that, that's going to be different for each division. Um, you know, our 2.0 is NAIA to, to be eligible to play uh, is a 2.0 GPA. Um, and I know that one because I work with it. So I can't necessarily speak intelligently on everyone. Jay, do you know the different ones for each kind of each conference or each division? Do you, uh, do you know how that looks? I don't have that uh, at my fingertips right now, but, um, you know, as you guys mentioned earlier, the best grades that, that you can get are certainly going to um, help you, A, get into a college, but also, B, stay into a college. So, you know, generally, once you're in college, a 2.0 is the minimum performance level. You know, mm -hmm. if, mm -hmm. if your grade point average drops below a 2.0, you're on um, probation. And uh, you get one semester to pull it up. And, and if you can't, then you're invited to leave for a year. So one of the things that's important. Invited to leave. That, that's well, a yeah. really nice way to say Let's that. Let's put it, yeah. Yes. Hey, well, you know, we, you'll notice um, when all of the kids go off to college for the first time, you know, and, and uh, the neighborhood looks different. And then everybody comes back for the summer. And then next fall, you know, when they go back as sophomores, not all the cars are gone. You know, some of the kids yep. didn't make it, and they might have yep. to go to community college to get their grades yep. back up, or local local college. Um, so I think the other part of it is is being able to succeed in college. You know, if you're targeting really rigorous and difficult colleges and um, uh, struggle with grades in, in high school, you have to be, uh, you know, aware of, okay, am I setting myself up for success, you know, when it comes to college? So when we, when we talk, could you benefit? That's a great question. I'll get right back to you on that one, uh, Sandow. Um, so, Jay, when we're talking about, you know, so solutions for tuition, you guys, I know, are a partner of College Fit Finder, which is, is, is our online database there. But um, what, what is the, you know, when we're talking about academic, how else can people get money? We obviously talk to academics as, as easy. Is there, I know you guys work with players and athletes getting money elsewhere. But what else can players do? Um, to, to get academic or non-athletic money is, is what do you guys do to help? Oh, there's just a ton of ways um, to find money for college. Um, you guys touched on a big one, grades. Um, uh, you know, that can always open up uh, other avenues. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that we re really recommend is families start early. You know, the biggest mistake that we see families make is they wait. They wait until the junior, senior year to start thinking about college money, thinking that, okay, you know, we're going to apply, we're going to fill out the financial aid forms, and we'll get what we're entitled to. And um, you may or may not, uh, but there's just so many other ways. Um, but I will mention one of the things that we like and that we use for younger students and younger students, younger high school students, like ninth and 10th grade, is uh, a site called Raise.me. And, um, you know, those are called micro scholarships. And so they can be very motivating for a younger student because they'll input their grades in and, um, you know, colleges can award them money. So if they get an A in a class in high school, 
you know, a certain college might say, hey, that's worth $250 um, in scholarship money. And they, and they can see it build. And then when they do apply, if they do select that college, they're guaranteed at least that much money. So, um, you know, that's just uh, a little bit more information, kind of a twist on, on what you were talking about. Good grades. No, it's, it's great. And what was that website called? Raise.me, R-A-I-S-E dot me. Um, but, you know, some of the other areas that, uh, that uh, we help families and students find money, um, outside scholarships is a big one. Um, and so outside meaning outside of the college. So when you apply to the college, those are the inside scholarships, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's merit or athletic. Um, but there's outside scholarships. As a matter of fact, right before the, the show started, I, I just Googled um, scholarships for younger kids. And I found a scholarship for a four-year-old. Okay. So, and, and there's a bunch of them out there. So a lot of parents don't know this. A lot of students don't know this. And so what happens if your um, four-year-old wins a, scho- a college scholarship? Obviously, you know, not going to be... Um, attending for 13 years, um, the sponsors will do one of two things. Um, you know, sometimes they might put the money in an escrow account. More and more, they're just opening a 529 plan, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the student. But basically, once the student shows proof of enrollment, they'll forward the money onto the college. And so, um, you know, it's a much more enjoyable process for um, students to start applying for outside scholarships, say as a, as a high school freshman, you know, because now you've got a full three years, you know, before you hit the the application phase, and um, you've got three summers that you can work on this, and it's just a more relaxed, more fun uh, pace. A lot of families just say, okay, I've got to start applying for scholarships when I'm a senior, and I'm done when I pick a school, um, you know, to take it. One step further, we have students that are applying for outside scholarships once they're in college, um, you know, because they need more money to be able to afford to stay there. So outside scholarships is, is another way that, uh, that uh, students and parents can find money for, uh, for that's, college. And, and that's, great. And that's uh, a great thing. I, I love the comment just to start early. I think, Jay, that's a, that's a fantastic because mm-hmm. you're right. So many people wait until their senior year um, and, and – you know, and I think, I mean, you're right. I mean, some scholarships are two fifty, five hundred, but those add up. I mean, you get ten of those five hundred dollars scholarships. That's a, that's a lot of money. It is, and it also makes your college application more robust. You know, when a college sees that, wow, you know, you've already won these scholarships. So, um, yeah, outside scholarships are um, can be fantastic. It it you know it takes a game plan. It takes perseverance. It's not like you're going to apply for three scholarships and you're done. You know, if you apply for 10 and you win one, you're lucky. So it really becomes a numbers game in addition to quality applications. But those students that have to win the money are the ones that typically will, will succeed. But over time, that can really produce um, efforts. You know, another example of, of why families should start earlier is the whole need-based um, uh, process that colleges use. And for those of you that were on our uh, webinar, oh gosh, a couple of months ago, we really went into detail on how the college financial aid system works. Um, but that's something that parents really need to investigate, if you can, um, uh, in the ninth 
uh, ninth grade year because they're using your 10th grade tax return to figure out whether you qualify uh, for college money. But need-based aid can be huge for some families at some schools. Um, now, generally speaking, this there's a lot more money at the private colleges, but for some families, it can be cheaper to go to an $80,000 sticker price uh, college than to attend the $30,000 local public university. So that's kind of counterintuitive, but it's important that families understand where they fall, you know, what your EFC is, how much you're expected to pay. Do you qualify for need-based aid? And then you know, that's something that can be very powerful. Um, you know, as, as uh, you mentioned, uh, I'm not sure if it was Josh or, or Tyler, but as you mentioned is, um, you know, that can really help out the coach. You know, if, if all of a sudden there's this huge need-based award, then, uh, you know, that can certainly help um, get you into the school, help you afford uh, it, and even help get you on the team. Yeah. Um, and, and so what does, and I guess, cause we're kind of running out of time here. What does, um, uh, so what, what do, what do you do with solutions for tuition? And one thing I do want to bring up though, is you guys are working with college fit finder for scholarships, correct? Um, oh, we do, we do uh, all sorts of things in our um, partnership with, with college fit finder. So we have, um, you know, a series of webinars and I will mention um, that uh, for those on the call that might be high school seniors, we've got um, College Fit Finders sponsoring a, a webinar on March 3rd, right after, um, you know, this show, um, uh, where we're going to be talking with uh, uh, the founder of a company called Tuition Fit, and we'll talk about how, how to read an award letter and how to appeal. So it's a little bit different, you know, once you're there, once you're at the gate as a high school senior, um, so we'll cover that on, on March 3rd. What we do is we help families um, uh, reduce the cost of college by every legal and ethical means. And it's, it's really different uh, for different families. You know, uh, obviously, everybody's financial situation is different. Uh, students are different. Uh, selected colleges are different. And this is what makes it so complex is, uh, you know, parents just kind of get um, inundated with all this information and you don't know what to pay attention to or what not to pay attention to. And, and so how are they, so they can reach out to you and, and you guys will set up a consultation through solution for tuition, correct? That's correct. We offer yeah. a free, uh, true, no cost, no obligation, uh, consultation. You can actually go to our website, um, solutionsfortuition.com and then forward slash truth in college. Um, that's our um, questionnaire. And it's also um, our net price calculator. And, and that's so, you know, when a family says, hey, we'd like to take advantage of the free uh, college planning analysis, we'll have them fill that out. And then we'll spend 45 minutes on the phone together just saying, hey, here's uh, the strategies that are going to work for your family. Ignore the rest of this stuff. That's just noise. It, it doesn't apply to you. But here's the things that you can focus on. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really productive. And, and that's um, a great value that, that we're really excited. Sometimes we get to change lives through that one phone call. It also helps us identify who we might work with going forward, you know, on a paid basis. If we can help you save $20,000 more per student than you could get on your own, then, then we can talk further. But, um, 
that that first step, just that pre-college planning analysis, is is so powerful. It's so huge, and it usually creates some peace of mind for families to say, "Okay, at least I know what I should be working on now." Yeah, very good. I want to answer the question, Miss Sandow from uh, from Idaho. Uh, can you benefit from from having a, a GPA higher than 4.0? So I think the answer, and Tyler, I'll let you answer as well, but absolutely yes. It does one or two things. You're going to max out how much money you, you will get academically, but what it does is is it gets you in line for more scholarships. And it also, as, as a coach, as we're recruiting, if I'm looking at a player that has a 4.2 versus a, even a 3.9, um, typically, not always, players who have a higher GPA are a little more motivated, uh, are more organized, and aren't able um, to handle the rigors of college soccer. Uh, because in order to have a, above a 4.0, you got to put work into it. It's one of those things that doesn't come super easy for most people. So when you see a GPA over 4.0, especially when you're looking at D- Division III, um, I, I think it's a huge asset. But anytime you have a high GPA, uh, it's going to be a benefit. Uh, it doesn't automatically mean you're going to get you know, ten thousand more dollars, but it, it is certainly a huge asset. Um, Tyler, you, what do you got on that? Well, yeah, I think you, you named the number one benefit is that having that high GP. First of all, having the four O is going to max, like you said, max out your academic offer, right? Uh, that's the top of the food chain as far as the scholarship offer on the academic side, the, which would also be called the merit side of things. Now, what would it benefit me to have like a four point two or four point three? Well, that's when it comes to those special um, competition scholarships, Josh. Those full tuition where they, a select few might compete. Your your resume with a higher GPA than four point could separate you from someone else as as having a better chance of winning, you know, a, a full tuition or a special scholarship that a school might be giving out to their, um, you know, extra talented academic students. All right, very good. Um, so we got another message here. Yeah, you're very, very welcome. Thanks for being a part of Rush, my favorite Idaho Rush family. Um, all right, so we've gone 45 minutes. It's, it's long, so we try to touch briefly on topics. We will have more conversations with with Jay, uh, especially about financial aid. I know that that's a, that is a something that everyone always worries about. Um, but we're we're gonna kind of kind of get out of here. Final word, Jay, Tyler, each get about 30 seconds for a final word. Go ahead, Jay. Well, I would um, just encourage everybody to take action, you know, start investigating, figure out, um, you know, what you, what net price college you can afford and how you can get some of these more expensive colleges down to that price. Yeah, awesome stuff, Jay. And I, I would echo that and say, don't be afraid to ask questions, right? Money is money is the, the real life part of the, the process. And you need to have the the answers to your questions. So feel free to ask those coaches uh, everything that, that you feel is comfortable. And uh, I'm going to end on bad news. Just got a notification that the recruitment dead period for NCAA has been extended through May 31st. Uh, hooray. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. The, the recruitment dead period tough. is extended tough. Yeah. through May 31st. Tough news. Tough news. Yeah, that's um, breaking news on CapChat Live. That is, um, yeah, someone just sent me that message, so I got kind of a little distracted on that. But I will, um, different time, we're explain what that means. But here's my final thing is is my final piece of advice is, is always look at the bottom line cost. Um, it, it's, is, it is what are you going to pay, the expected family contribution, but what are you going to pay out of cost, um, out of pocket to end up going to school there? So, yeah. Um, 
Anyway, this has been Cap Chat Live. We've been chatting uh, with Jay for solutions for tuition. We battled through some uh, some fun times here getting through everything. But uh, as always, the, the wonderful co-host of, of Tyler Tomlinson from Colbert College. Um, and uh, we will be live next week. Thanks for listening to Cap Chat, the number one soccer recruitment podcast in the United States. Be sure to check back every two weeks for new episodes of Cap Chat exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network.